0: Folks and welcome to episode 42 of the Modern Agile show. I am super excited to be here with Ellen Godestiner. She is the CEO of EGB Consulting. She is a product coach. She's a veteran agilist. She's an author of several books. Um, and it's it's a thrill to have you here Ellen. Thank you for joining.
1: It's great to be here, Josh.
0: So, um, I know that your latest book is um, something that I really was excited to to get my hands on. Um, it's been out a few years now, I think, right? Yeah. Um, but at the time when it came out, it was like, this is, this is like, you know, um, a lot of what you've learned over the many years. Uh, discover to deliver. Right. What, what is that about for the viewers? Uh, you know, what, what could you say um, is the main message of, of your book?
1: Um, well, I guess part of the motivation behind the message of the book is that uh, we were noticing that a lot of uh, teams were very much focusing just on delivery and not so much on discovery. So uh-huh. they were building a lot of the wrong stuff quicker and faster, maybe better, Uh, And so getting people to get on the same page with a shared understanding of the why and the what and continually checking that, that's why we use this Venn diagram as the image, discover, deliver, discover, deliver. Um, And uh, we were noticing a lot of misunderstanding and missing, missing, uh, people missing each other on the topic of what it was that they were going to build as well as why. And maybe over a bit of an overdependence on stories is a way to strictly have conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of the essence that people have drawn from the book over the years is um, looking at product needs across seven product dimensions instead of you know traditional requirements or a feature or, or a a story. So looking more holistically to, to have deeper what we like to call structured conversations because you know, in the manifesto, of course, it says face-to-face conversations. We can have a lot of conversations that aren't very good, aren't very uh, clear, and don't result in shared understanding. So some structure is helpful. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yes. and and we talked once, you were saying that uh, a lot of people adopt a certain agile flavor of, a you know, some sort of process whether it's scrum or kanban or something but they don't necessarily become product oriented or product driven is is that what you find a lot out there
1: oh yeah this has been a, a, a passion topic for me for i don't know maybe seven years mm-hmm. and actually <laughs> um i was out in the midwest doing a talk at a um local uh agile group and the title of the talk, which was a lot about product road mapping, the title of the talk was products, not projects. Yes. And I think it was about five or six years ago. And I got kind of some nasty looks, just people getting set up, you know, because people, people, folks are now, thank goodness, there's a greater awareness that, you know, you're getting the value from the product. Yes. Not the project. Yes. And, um, I think, honestly, in many ways, the Agile community is a little missed the boat, at least maybe now that's changing, with being so project-centric, so just delivery-centric, and missing yes. the whole point, which is the customers and, you know, being product-led yes. in all the work that we do and customer-focused, you know, product-led and customer-focused.
0: Right, right. So, yes, that makes a lot of sense. So do you find customers of yours are open to this message? Do they acknowledge it as a problem and then seek help?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, and uh, even one big topic in that space, when people start to realize, oh, yeah, the value is really the product and we need to be product led, get closer to the customers, have, Pay attention to the discipline, the art and science of product management. Mm -hmm. One of the things, particularly in medium and large organizations, that is a sore point is defining the product in the first place. Mm. Because so many organizations have all these little teams, they all have their own little backlogs, and um, they're not looking holistically at the product. So they're Mm -hmm. doing things in their world and they're not really... You know, that's sort that's called local optimization and they're not looking at the bigger picture in a unified, you know, cohesive way. Right. Um, right. So there's a, you know, an understanding, yeah, maybe we're thinking of our product too narrowly. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why we're having trouble prioritizing. Maybe that's why we're having trouble having the customers be happy. That's, you know, maybe, you know, that maybe that's why our teams aren't, uh, feeling connected to the customer to the product yeah um, we're not getting the outcomes that we hope for yeah
0: yeah and what's a typical uh root cause for this like what what leads to this so you're saying you know i've definitely seen this i've seen teams um uh, with their own backlogs but they're just a little piece of the puzzle they're part of the product but they're not looking at the whole thing i've seen it again and again and again what what's the you know kind of um what are some possible root causes do you see of that?
1: Yeah. yeah, I think it's a combination of things, but one is still being project-centric. Yeah. So we need to do this thing and, um, you know, that's, that's part of it. So we have projects, so teams have their little backlogs around a project. Um, I think also, I mean, I think it's a shared responsibility both on the technology product development side and on the product management side. Because mm-hmm. we have this history of, Right, the PMs, meaning product managers, yeah. or business owners, whatever, sort of say, hey, IT people, technology people, and this is particularly true in internal, where the products interfere with internal use as opposed to commercial. They'll say, here, go build this. And it's a throw it over the wall between these communities. Mm-hmm. And you get into contract games and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But that's also true in commercial software companies. Mm-hmm. The product development people can be, there can be this schism where, and, and, you know, I think Josh said some of it is organization structure. Yes. Right? Yes. Is it, that there There's some kind of like barrier there because well, I'm in product management, you're in product development or engineering or dev, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to throw you this and I'll throw you this back. Right. <laughs> and they haven't unified around their core purpose, which is serving customers with a product.
0: Right. And so I, th- that's, that's, that's definitely, yeah, yeah, I mean, the organizational structure, like you're saying, it's classic. I mean, it's so classic to see this, this kind of chasm between product and development. When are we going to get out of this? I mean, how many decades have to pass before people realize they need to actually work together as one customer-driven product group? I mean, I, I, I don't get it.
1: It's frustrating. frustrating. (laughs) The positive thing is that people are recognizing Mm -hmm. that that is an issue, that that's a problem. And, you know, I think like in the agile community has always said value, 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 value. We're all about value, but they really haven't. And I'm sort of being very critical here, but there hasn't been clarity about value for what? And what do we mean by that B word?
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's whose vague.
1: value? whose mm-hmm. value? Because there's another problem and you know, you you've seen this, I know cuz you've talked about like uh like badass customers, right? The mm-hmm. the focus on on customer becoming more accentuated. I think in past the, it was the thought about business value was the only thing we focus on. Right. Um and not focusing on the customer uh but one of the things that I found really helpful over the years is when you think about customer or that S word, the, the dirty S word, stakeholders, oh. uh, <laughs> um, that there are really three, three constituents here. Mm-hmm. You have the business, um, and I like to call them partners, not stakeholders. Business partners, right? The, the technology partners, and of course, the customers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, as partners. Yes. And and many teams emphasize one over the other. Right. I mean you could you could go overboard with the customer partner and try to make your customers so happy and wonderful that you put yourself out of business or you promise things that are not feasible yet from a technology point of view. Yes. So you have to balance but with the deference to the customer
0: so that that diagram, the Venn, you're looking for the, the where the Venn diagram crosses over between partners, customers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and and what was the third one? Sorry, business,
1: business uh, customer, business, technology, customers. Yeah, uh, partners rather. Yeah. so three partners: customer, business, technology. Yeah, um, and understand what they value. Sure, uh, and that can change with time.
0: Well, because look at Zoom. We, we've been looking at Zoom lately saying, you know, there's not enough safety in this product. And uh, clearly that's something that may have been said by the technology partners, yeah. but wasn't being heard necessarily by the others, the stakeholders, i.e. Part, you know business partners or, you know, customers aren't necessarily asking for it until they discover uh, the holes in the security that exists, you know, when a large number of people start using the product. Um, or, that balance. Or, yeah. Go ahead.
1: yeah, no, no, that's that's a great example. Or or if they had a savvy product manager who recognized that okay, in our roadmap we want to be able to scale across blah blah markets, and that uh, um, the safety of the product, the security of the product, was going to become really high value. And right. Let's start doing some experiments to try doing that scaling. And then marketing's in parallel, looking at that market. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're looking at the long-term health and well-being and safety of the product uh, that that could have been avoided. You know, that forethought had been, you know, and that's, that's product leadership.
0: Right, right. And, and and not a lot of organizations are proactive. They're very reactive. I mean, uh, you know, I, I remember hearing a story about Spotify. There was a very, very talented architect within Spotify who understood that at, you know, at some point, they're going to be allowing signups to occur to the service. You know, so you're signing up for Spotify for the first time, but they'd always allowed that through the web. They'd never done it on mobile. And, you know, this fellow knew that they were going to allow it on mobile at a certain point. And so he said, listen, here's the infrastructure we have to get in place now before you roll out your, you know, signups via mobile. Uh, And if we don't do it, we're going to have trouble. And the board or whoever you talk to, the the higher ups, you know, basically blessed it. And it was a proactive move. So they did all this work, which was ultimately in the name of um, scaling uh, Mm -hmm. gracefully. And sure enough, when they did roll out mobile signups, it scaled beautifully. There were no hiccups. Uh, it was a proactive technology-driven move for ultimately the, the benefit of the business.
1: Right, right, right. That's, that's I, an I mean, awesome example.
0: And that's an example of, of what you're saying. You're saying the balance has to be right.
1: Right, right. So maybe there was, if you flip into the product management mindset, you know, from a product leadership point of view, they're looking at scaling the product we want to the outcome they're looking for is increased customer adoption, right? So in order to do that, you have to have the capability for potentially people to sign up on a mobile device. And they no doubt, you know, did some experimenting to test whether that was true and Mm -hmm. what the experience was. And so that, uh, data in, in combination with partnering with technology, you know, led them to that positive outcome. Yes. And just think about the adoption rate of that product. It's right. Stunning.
0: Oh yeah, that's absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean, we 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 don't know all the factors behind the success of it, but it's certainly uh, it, it's it's nice to look at you know places where they're doing it right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we tend to focus a lot of times on the, oh, the, the the all of the disasters, like what the Iowa caucus uh, voting that just happened and that disaster there. It's just like and,
1: what, and the disaster that we're of course all suffering from right now in our isolation, than our uh, the
0: current, uh, Yes, a, a, a complete lack of making safety a prerequisite. Um, so maybe not a complete lack, but certainly a, a lot that could be desired. <laughs> um,
1: yes, and the, and the importance of data and paying attention to data.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh, and leadership. Okay, we could go down a lot of <laughs> conversation on this one.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of, of learning from the past, um, you were early in the whole area of retrospecting and retrospectives. Um, can you share some, some of your early learnings about that and your background in that?
1: Yeah, we, back in Take the, take the Rollback Machine, Back in 2002, we had the first uh, retrospective workshop gathering. Mm -hmm. And uh, Norm Kurth, inspired by Norm's book, Norm Kurth's book, Project Retrospectives, A Handbook for Team Reviews. um, We gathered a group of like-minded folks, and I don't even remember who started it, but we gathered together in a uh, funky hotel called the Sylvia Beach Hotel, on the uh, coast of Oregon, crashing waves and cliffs it was a magnificent place. I've been there. And, okay, you know the Sylvia Beach, mm-hmm. right? They have this cool thing where in the living room, uh, anybody who stays there that's an author, there's a book spine with your, author, your book and you get to sign it and that was mm-hmm. so cool and every room is named after and themed after an author yes right? I've, I've
0: stayed in the dr seuss room
1: <laughs> oh you're lucky guy yeah that's that's where norm liked to stay uh-huh. um i was i was in uh the f scott fitzgerald room with a bottle mm. of gin on the counter very nice <laughs> real gin, believe me uh and uh edgar Allan poe
0: Oh yes that was
1: a really creepy room.
0: Oh my! <laughs>
1: All black, and I'm not kidding. There was a there was a stuffed raven in the corner. <laughs> oh and I, God! When, when I got there and I found I was assigned to that room, I meekly went up to the you know the housekeeper and tried to see is there another room I could see? And there I couldn't. I had to stay in that room. Uh huh. Um, but anyway. So we had these wonderful gatherings and we used uh, open space yes. uh, for the week. I think we would start on a Sunday and end on a Friday. And uh, we would, you know, we had really great sessions, a lot of, a lot of uh, really important conversations. And I think the thing that I, this little story, one of the stories that I told you, Josh, was about the birth of, really what people call sprint or interim retrospectives. Yes. So this was the second gathering, 2003. Mm-hmm. And um, I proposed a session on, t- uh, I don't rec- recall what I called it, but uh, a session on doing more frequent retros. Mm-hmm. And everybody was uh, interested in that. So there were no other parallel sessions. So we were all together for this that, that were there that year. And because my experience was I was working at a pharmaceutical at the time and we were working on a clinical trial uh, product and, you know, uh, we were using interim and incremental development approaches. So it was early and Agile wasn't even a cool term at that mm-hmm. point in time. Um, and I was finding that we would do these, you know, stopping points retros and, of course, inspired by the Spirit of Norm's book. So so what happened there is we created basically a taxonomy. Uh and the taxonomy was end of project retros which was really the 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 beginning with norm's book and then there was something called interim retrospectives. Mm-hmm. And then there was and that was it. And then under interim, and I was looking this up before we talked, there was something called heartbeat retros where oh, on, yes. you know like every yes. week from you'd do the called heartbeat. Then mm-hmm. there was something called work chunk. And that was because there were people there doing waterfall. So it was like, you know, some work product, basically waterfall milestone deliverable. Mm-hmm. And then there was something called custom and custom would be because something happened that you have to address. For example, there was somebody at our, at that gathering who was in the U S coast guard and they would do retros after oil spill. In fact, that had happened that year. Oh, yes, right, and mm. Norm even talks about you know firefighters do retros at, yes at, at go back so so we had these uh three types of interim heartbeat custom and uh work jump, and that heartbeat retro was the was what i I understand. I had some conversations uh with Diana and Esther about this. Esther, I believe what we think, what we recall was that Esther went back to Scrum Alliance and discussed this idea with them. And then they adopted this idea of doing, you know, sprint retrospectives.
0: Yes. Okay. It
1: was a, it was a really incredible experience going to these events. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, retro is so key to learning, learning, uh, Improving. I mean, and that's what it's all about. So um, do, do you find people are, you know, these days when they're doing their retrospectives, do they actually improve or, or you know, obviously any practice can be, you know, made to work well or, or just adopted in a cargo cult fashion.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's a mix. Unfortunately, I see a lot of teams on the technology side that sort of go through the motions. And they take an hour, they do a couple of, of standard uh retro activities, uh, and things don't really change. I mean, you know, in Toyota, Toyota production systems, the, the, the idea was when you do these improvements, whether you're using a kata or whether you're using like a retro approach, the very you you pick one thing and that item goes to the top of your backlog. It's the most important thing to do. Mm-hmm. So that's really elevating improvement. Right. And I think we forget about that on many, on many teams. Yes. Um, one of the things that I'm uh, passionate about and trying to open up in the product management community is using these retros, using product retrospect. Ah, yes. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, focusing on the product and what are we learning from the customer, as well as, you know, how, what, what, how we work together as a product team, how we work together with product development. Mm -hmm. I think there's um, what I've seen is if we really start focusing on, you know, look at the qualitative and quantitative data around the product, what is that telling us and introduce that as a discipline, right? You know, that, that, that would be very helpful and brings in, product development of course
0: that's, that's uh yeah i mean so it seems like to me uh, my friend matt barcom has said this that once you start talking about product you get invited to different meetings than if you're just talking agile are you yes. finding that to be the case
1: oh yes yeah oh yes i think we have a schism in the product management community and the agile i think we have an unhealthy thing going on here mm-hmm. um i actually wrote a blog called am i a product manager or product owner a two-part uh, blog because yeah. there's so much not that term has caused a lot of confusion
0: right um
1: but i think that the agile community you know rightly so focusing on practices and disciplines to make product development better but missing the point on product management because uh, has has um cause a little bit of a rift or maybe a lot of rift because with product management, because product management, there's a lot of strategic work that needs to be done. And the product development stuff, engineering and dev is typically, and it doesn't need to be this way, but it's typically seen as, you know, build it, build it, build it, deliver all the tactical stuff. Yes. And so just like we had this sort of it throw it over the wall internally with business people and technical people, you know, we have this at a meta level with product management and the agile technology community.
0: Yeah, it 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 you know, this topic it 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 drives me nuts because like I think when you when you get a whole cross-functional team or whatever term you want to use, there's like balanced teams, whatever people say, but when you get an entire real team focused on outcomes for the customer and, and basically being adults, like, okay, you know, if you need to know about like financial constraints that we're within, right. Cause I mean, anyone can come up with an idea that costs them an arm and a leg and you'll never make back any kind of return on investment. But, you know, when you empower a team to actually go after some important um, objectives or, or, you know, initiative, then anyone could suggest an idea. Um, it's not like all great ideas have to come from the PM. Right. Um, I mean, I, I constantly tell stories of where sometimes even a lowly developer came up with an idea that was, became an incredibly important part of the product. Mm-hmm. And thankfully that was allowed to happen rather than saying, oh no, that's not your job. You just build stuff. Um, the PM is the one that comes up with what to build. Uh, that seems nuts to me, yeah. you know? You're not tapping into the human potential there. So, I'm not a big fan of the product owner term. Never have been.
1: Yeah, me too. I agree. <laughs> that that and that is. Uh, I think that's cha- the attitude about the technology engineering. You know, being uh, not having, not collaborating fully with them is starting. You know, is 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 moving away. So right. I've seen a lot of PMs and a lot of conversations and and talks and blogs about how to work with engineering and so forth as, as though they're like this contaminated thing that you have to stay away from, but, but, okay. So let's talk about, I mean, just think about it. Imagine that there's no org chart, right? And we have a clarity around, we know what our product is and we right. know who our customers are. Right. There's no, there's all, we're all on the same team. Yep. It's like,
0: <laughs> and that seems to, to, I think to a lot of people, that that seems crazy. Like in other words, they be, they be they, their, their beginning of process is, tell me the roles and responsibilities. And that's how they have to start out is like, I got to know my roles and responsibilities. Who has which role? Who has what responsibilities? They can't even conceive of just a, a nebulous group of people going after something, going after an important objective or initiative whereas of course it's never nebulous you have to have the right skills in the room uh or not in the room let's say distributed as we are but Mm -hmm. the right people on the bus as it said going after something um to me that there's magic in that and we run a simulation where you know we give people really clear roles and responsibilities and it's disaster (laughs) Uh, because they have to they have to stick to their roles and responsibilities in this simulation they can't they can't you know, it's, it's silos. It's, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier in the conversation. Uh, and then later they get to just self-organize however they want and they're far yeah. more productive.
1: Yeah. It, it starts, it really starts with having a clear shared purpose.
0: aha beautiful. Was that in your earlier books? Cause you, I know you've written other books. Um, you have, you know, uh, the earlier book on collaboration, um, you know, the, um, you've written a bunch of books on requirements, um, you know, so requirements by collaboration, did that get into that topic? Um,
1: yes, in the sense that uh, it, the context for that book is about uh, planning and designing and facilitating collaborative workshops. Okay, and using the term workshop not to be a training course. Yeah, yeah where, you know, the right group of people are come together with shared purpose. Okay. And so in that book, what I discovered, I sort of fell into, well, I have to write this book because I was doing a lot of these sessions at many different organizations where people needed to get on the same page about what they were building or changing right, around the product. And, and requirements was almost like the topic that we can collaborate around to get shared understanding. Well, okay. I mean, it kind of is. And so one of the early types of workshops you would run would be a a visioning workshop and a purpose, you know, purpose kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. The other, that P word is in that book, uh, that book was written in 2002 and almost actually went into the Agile series, Alistair's Agile series Mm -hmm. back, back in the day. But I said, no, we'll keep it in a generic space. But um, what I sort of found was to use an illiterism, to to figure out how you structure this collaborative engagement. You need to have you need to have purpose, uh, the right participants. You need to have clarity on place. And it could be distributed or same time, same place. Um, you need to have clarity around products for the workshop. What's coming out and what's coming in to the workshop. Mm-hmm. um and you need to have um your uh shared understanding of how you're going to participate like those ground rules right. and then you need the process which is the agenda mm.
0: right I love it so
1: those 6p's um and and I found that I use those not just for workshops around you know visioning and uh, requirements but strategic planning building a roadmap you know release planning and so the P word is first. I mean, yeah. that purpose—that first purpose.
0: Interesting. Now that's that—that's timeless. That what you just said is to, those six Ps. I mean, I don't see that changing anytime soon.
1: No, it, I agree. I agree.
0: That's really nice.
1: That was yeah. so many years ago, but it's that that structure just yeah. works for for any kind of collaborative engagement.
0: Yeah, you need to like take these old things from the old books and bring them out and reblog them and stuff. Cause I mean, I think yeah, okay. there's so much wisdom. There's so much wisdom that's already been shared and people just don't know about it.
1: It's true. Uh, it's true. New, you know, new, uh, new generations come and it we want to say we invented that. I had that conversation with Ron Jeffries at an Agile conference years ago. I don't remember what the topic was, but everybody was, Oh, this is like so cool. So new. And I'm like, Ron, you know, blah, blah, talked about this and wrote about this 10 years ago. And he made that comment. Well, you know, every generation wants to feel like they invented it and it's theirs so they can embrace it, not something from the past.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, there's certainly truth there. Um, So you're finding in your path in, in, in the agile space, obviously you're now product driven, helping helping, do you help mostly agile teams get back to focusing on product?
1: Well, a lot of what I'm doing these days is working with product teams, product managers, product teams, Mm -hmm. and at the same time uh, with product development. So for example, with a client that I'm working with now, they came uh, beginning uh, issues with, well, we're having trouble with our product development and I'm, okay, that's fine. What's going on with product management? How's the product leadership? Where, how are they collaborating with the team? So now what we're doing is we're working with both product management and product development in parallel. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, that's, that's critical. So that's the it,
0: discover to deliver, uh, you know, your infinite loop. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, that's we really need nice. to have product leadership. We need to have clarity around the product and product management you know it's a nascent discipline it really isn't that you know it hasn't been around that long yeah um and so mm-hmm. bringing together the principles of agile with the discipline of product management that's that's where i'm really keen mm-hmm. to yeah. make a difference and it just makes the work more joyful yeah. and, and customers happier yes uh and it's it's that's what makes me happy
0: So that's what it's all about. So, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, where, where can people learn your latest stuff? Is there a blog that they ought to be looking at too?
1: Yeah. They can go to ebgconsulting.com. Okay. And, uh, you know, slash blog. Uh, So there's a bunch of resources, but that's, that's where I've got a number of the, like the, what is, what is your product blog and am I a product manager or product owner? And, I've got about a backlog, about six things to blog, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that would probably be a good place to start.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, um, Ellen, thank you so much for stopping by and uh, chatting during this uh, crazy period where we're all indoors. And uh, wish I could see you at a conference or something, but um,
1: I'll give you a virtual hug.
0: Okay, <laughs> I think we're both wearing purple, so uh, yeah,
1: that's 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 the color to be. <laughs> And your um, purple flowers in the back.
0: Oh yes, yes, and you have and purple flowers, flowers, flowers too, don't you?
1: Purple fake flowers. Okay. Not, not yet. Not in the
0: <laughs> northeast yet. Well, anyway, thank you for coming onto the show and uh, sharing your sharing your wisdom. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please share it with others and subscribe. We really appreciate you uh, watching or listening, and uh, thanks again.
1: Thanks for what you do with the community, Joshua.
0: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure.